What does summer taste like? Could you bottle it? Here at New Belgium Brewing Company, we've added Cascade hops and a hint of kaffir lime to create our summer seasonal, Skinny Dip. With a crisp flavor and citrus tones, it's the perfect finish to long summer days. Employee-owned, wind-powered, and committed to sustainability, New Belgium Brewing Company. Follow your folly. Ours is beer. Find your flavor online at newbelgium.com. This is The Shorts, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. There are piles of stuff in almost every room in the house. In the bedroom, a Neo-Air repair kit, inflatable pillows, and a pair of socks wait patiently on the chest of drawers. The first aid kit sits in the bathroom, where I've been counting ibuprofen and paracetamol capsules. In the front room, a stack of waterproof maps sits beside the Scottish Mountaineering Club Hillwalker's Guide to the Northwest Highlands. And in the dining room, the big packs stand by the wall, already bulging ominously with the baseload we carried on the last training walk. The cats have scattered the energy bars, chocolate, beef jerky, spare glasses and new titanium spoons across the table and onto the floor. We're off to Sutherland next week to walk a new trail from Loch Inver to Tongue and climb a few hills on the way, knees and weather permitting. Maybe if we'd been backpacking since our teens, a six-day hike wouldn't be such a big thing. But I'm 51 and my husband is older, and four years ago I'd never carried my house on my back. Four years ago, I packed lunches into our day packs and we set off on what we thought of as a long walk around Ben Elegan in northwest Scotland. It was a glorious November morning. The afternoon would be spoilt by an unexpected deer fence, a six-foot barrier that protected remnants of Caledonian forest from marauding red deer. We found a good place for lunch. Sitting near a tiny lochen, we watched shafts of sunlight play across the hills. The land sloped away from us, the rich red-brown of heather dotted with intense blue, patches of sky reflecting from pools and streams. By sticking to the rocks and the high ground, we could avoid the bright green bogs and wet boots. I ate my sandwiches, listened to the wind, gazed at the hills, and, from nowhere, came the thought, if I had a tent and a sleeping bag in my pack, I could go there. Loch Marie glinted in the distance, and beyond it we could see the slopes of Slioch. We could go there. With the right gear, we would be free. We could go anywhere. I didn't say anything. I needed time to consider this strange idea and what it might mean. And the thought slipped to the back of my mind later that day as we made our way along and, eventually, over the interminable fence to stumble back to the car. The thought returned within weeks, stronger and more insistent, when I worked at my computer or looked at our garden and the arable landscape around the village. I mentioned it. My husband looked vaguely horrified. We've always walked. A couple of hours or so on a weekend afternoon on the well-documented network of rights-of-way running across the flat landscape of our home in East Anglia. 
backpacking was a different story. Not long after we'd arrived in Britain from Canada, we tried car camping in Wales. It rained a bit, then rained incessantly, and, to make it more exciting, it blew as well. After a week, we disposed of our tent and our sleeping bags. They were damp, and they smelled, and we agreed we never, ever wanted to do that again. Now I found myself arguing with the past. Surely technology had moved on. Tents would be more weatherproof, sleeping bags warmer, air mattresses lighter. Gradually the thought became determination that swelled until it drove me to deliver an ultimatum for the first time in our marriage. I was going to do this. I was going to walk, free to go anywhere I pleased. And I asked him, should I buy a one-person or a two-person tent? In 28 years I had never before said such a thing, but my desire, my need to do this, overwhelmed any sense of reasonableness. Andy sighed and said, two. We bought a tent and sleeping bags and a tiny stove and, the next July, we started on the coast. We were nervous but determined. We had everything we could imagine needing, including, we told ourselves, maturity and intelligence. But still, could we do it? We walked 18 miles on paths and across country to the place where I'd first realised we were capable of negotiating the open landscape. As we made camp, clouds fell like lead down the mountain and it rained. We threw ourselves into the tent and discovered that the fuel we'd brought for the stove smelt worse than the worst smell we'd ever imagined. The chlorine tabs made the water taste foul and did nothing for the flavour of the rehydrated meal. On the next day, I lived my worst nightmare. As we headed up a ridge, mist and low cloud began to gather. We walked faster, moving from landmark to landmark, until, quite suddenly, a swirl of mist walled us away from the world. We stopped in our tracks, and I felt physically sick. We knew that the ground to our right sloped down to a sheer drop that ran the length of the ridge. A less sheer but equally dangerous drop lurked out of sight to the left. The ridge itself was broad and uneven. If we wandered, we could find ourselves heading down a cliff instead of a minor hill. Visions of disaster danced in my head, and then my brain cleared. I was being a fool. I had a compass and a map. I'd read about walking a compass bearing. We just had to do it. My hands began to shake less as we unfolded the map, agreed a relatively safe line and, jointly, took our first compass bearing. Pulled by the compass needle and map, our confidence grew as we made our way slowly but safely out of the cloud into the sunlight. And hours later, when we collapsed into the rented cabin by the sea, there was no doubt in our minds. Where next? In May last year, we walked the West Highland Way. Carrying supplies for eight days, we did it in five and a half, finishing with our first ascent of Ben Nevis, the tallest peak in the British Isles, before our knees realised what we were going to do. When we went to the supermarket to buy food for the long train journey home, he said, I wish we could just keep going. And I did too.
Our friends and family don't understand why we do this. Friends heft the packs, imagine the weight on their backs, and think we're mad. You can see it in their eyes as they look at the photos. But never having done it, they've never tasted the freedom we experience. They can't see the landscape changing as we walk through it, feel the sense of achievement at the end of every day, the pleasure of increasing competence, and, most important, the absolute certainty that as long as we can put one foot in front of the other, we're free to move across the land. Just to go. Free. My name is Sarah Root, and this is my short. Sarah Root lives in East Anglia, in the flatlands of the UK. She's headed back to Scotland in the coming weeks to bag a few more peaks. Needs and weather permitting, of course. Music today by the extraordinaires Drake and Fawn. You can find links on our site, dirtbagdiaries.com. The shorts are listener-driven, so if you've got an idea, drop us a line at dirtbagdiaries at earthlink.net. Today's show, it was brought to you by New Belgium Brewing. They've got a cool summer event coming up, the Tour de Fat. It's a celebration of bikes and fun and good times visiting a city near you. At each of the 11 stops, New Belgium will be challenge you to give up your car for a brand new bike. You can find additional details at newbelgium.com. Additional support for the shorts comes from Patagonia. I'm Fitzka Hall. That was Sarah Root. And you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Yeah.